Welcome to the Leaving Cert Guidance Podcast. My name is Donnacoe Mahoney. I'm a second school guidance counsellor and I also run the Leaving Cert Guidance Instagram and TikTok pages. On today's episode, I'm joined by Fiona and I'm going to answer the questions sent in by you, the students and parents on Instagram. So Fiona, you're very welcome on the Leaving Cert Guidance Podcast. Thank you, Donnacoe. And uh, if you want to start with the first question that was sent in there. What are my options if I want to study medicine, but no, I won't get into the course? Okay, yeah, so there are a few options uh, to study medicine um, if you don't think you're going, like, you know, the points in Ireland are very difficult to achieve, you're, you know, you add your leave insert points and your HPAT points together and they can be very uh, difficult to achieve. So what a student can do is uh, look at alternative options. Firstly, in Ireland, we have graduate entry into medicine. Uh, so this is when students finish their degree, they can apply and sit the GAMSAT test. And if they do well in this test, then they can enter graduate entry into medicine. Now, students can also look at outside of Ireland, uh, maybe the UK or even uh, Europe. Poland and Italy are two very popular destinations for students to study medicine in. Uh, for Poland, the entry requirements are pretty minimal, uh, but you must have biology and chemistry. And for Italy, students would have to sit an IMAT exam. So it's certainly worth looking into both of those options and even studying in the UK if you don't feel uh, like you have uh, the entry requirements here in Ireland. Now, just with the UK one, the 15th of October when you're in sixth year will be the deadline for that. Um, where in Europe, the deadline will be a little bit later on in the year. You don't have to panic as much about that. Is it good to only have six higher level subjects? Yeah, so it's, you know, it's excellent to have six higher level subjects. You know, you're doing really well if you have six. Obviously, when you're counting your points for the CAO, you only count your six best subjects. So if you're doing six higher level, that puts you in an advantage straight away. Um, I wouldn't worry about it too much if you're not doing six higher level. You'd probably have to look at your course and, and typically what kind of points category it would be in and see then what you need but try not to put yourself under too much pressure or too much time constraint if you're struggling with getting uh, time to do those six subjects and then a lot of students you know try and do things very shrewdly when they're looking at their um, subjects you know some who do sit seven subjects or even eight subjects might not sit uh, eight higher level or seven higher level they might say look I'm only counting six so I'm going to do ordinary level in English uh, so I don't have to put as much time into that and focus on the six that I'm going to count. So yeah, doing six higher level is, you know, it's excellent. I am planning on doing engineering in UCC, but don't do physics. Do I do higher level maths and chemistry. Will I be okay? Yeah, so that student will be fine. So doing the higher level maths is the most important part. Uh, there will be a course requirement to have higher level maths. And also for some engineering courses, a lab science subject. So obviously this student is doing chemistry. So they should be absolutely fine. The fact you're not doing physics, don't worry about that whatsoever. The main and important subject for doing engineering is to have higher level maths. I am repeating. Do many people repeat? I am worried about feeling old in first year next year. Okay, well, you, you certainly won't be the oldest student on your course. Um, you know, most courses reserve about 10% of their places for mature students. Um, so if you're 19 or even 20 uh, going into college, you certainly won't be the oldest in your year. Lots of students take a gap year and come back into college. Lots of students 
even particularly the last couple of years uh, with the way points went, um, maybe deferred their course for a year or have decided to uh, reapply to the CAO the following year. Um, so that particular year, that one year you're repeating your even cert, I absolutely wouldn't worry about that at all. You certainly won't be uh, the oldest person in your year. So don't try not to feel like that. Is fifth year an important year and what should my focus be in fifth year? Yeah, so fifth year is an important year. You know, the Leaving Cert is a two-year, um, it's a two-year cycle where, you, where you're looking at studying subjects over a two-year period. Obviously, in the Leaving Cert, you can be um, asked uh, questions from your fifth-year syllabus. So yeah, it's, it's very important. Um, from a guidance point of view, it can be important to go to open days, um, you know, listen to podcasts like this, look at Instagram lives that we put on, um, so things like that are very important in fifth year and start doing some research because this research can help you set goals then for sixth year that I want to be here by the time I'm in sixth year because this is what I want to do afterwards. Um, so certainly from a guidance perspective, have a little look at what you want to apply for. Again, if you're applying for the UK, particularly the 15th of October deadline, you would want to start preparing that um, application towards the end of fifth year because you have a lot of information to get like references from teachers predicted grades doing your own personal statement and um, if you're applying for america that would be the same you know around fifth year the end of fifth year you'd start having a look um at the application there so yeah fifth year is an important year from a guidance perspective and of course from a study perspective as well what is the cao and what do i need to know about it so the CEO is the Central Applications Office. It's a system here in Ireland where if you want to apply for third level university colleges or ITs, you have to apply through the CAO. Um, so it's important to familiarize yourself with it. If you're a sixth year student, what I would recommend is to go on to www.cao.ie forward slash handbook. And if you go on to that, you can see the flip book or the PDF handbook, whatever, whichever you prefer. And it'll give you a lot of information about the CEO, really everything you need to know. And I'm actually a big fan of the flipbook because it gives you links to videos as well to explain really what the CEO is and what you need to know. So if you're a sixth year student um, and you're not too sure about the CEO, what you really need to know is the dates for the CEO. So obviously it opens up on the 5th of November this year, but you're going to have to look at deadlines, you know, restricted course deadlines. Uh, when the change of mind facility opens back up, when is the last possible time um, I can apply for a course? So all those things are very important to know. Um, so, yeah. I don't know whether I should opt for medicine or dentistry. Okay, well, this is a good situation to be in, I suppose. Um, so really, you're going to have to research them side by side, probably look at the pros and cons what are the pros of studying medicine, uh, the pros of studying dentistry, you know, um, and then even try to get a little bit of work shadowing um, with somebody maybe at the weekend or, or during a, a midterm break or something, maybe to work shadow a dentist or work shadow a doctor and, and see what their day-to-day -day, um, job is like and kind of see which one you'd prefer more. Um, but certainly you're going to have to weigh up the options. There's some brilliant videos on YouTube as well, uh, particularly by the NHS in the UK that show you the day in the life of healthcare professionals. Uh, and I'd highly recommend having a look at those and weigh up the pros and cons and see 
which one would suit you best. I really can't tell you which one you should go for because you know yourself best and you can only really judge that. If I study early childhood education in LYIT, is there a path into primary education after? Yeah, so absolutely there is. So um, to do primary education, if you haven't done it as your undergraduate, you would do what's called a professional master's in education, uh, primary school teaching after your undergraduate degree. So when you finish your degree, you can apply to study this. Um, and funny enough, when you mention LYIT, uh, what they offer actually is students to practice and prepare for Chastis Yorpuk Nagoelga, the TEG exam, um, which you would have to do if you're going to do the PME. So the TEG exam is an Irish exam. Uh, so you have to have a certain uh, level of Irish if you're going to be a primary school teacher. And that's an exam you have to do before you do the PME. Um, so I know LYIT are one of the colleges that actually help you prepare for that. Um, so if you're doing early childhood ed education, obviously it's going to set you up particularly well to do um, primary education with the modules you'll be looking at there as well. Can Latin be taken as a modern language requirement? Yeah, so modern language requirements are needed by NUI universities. So NUI universities you're looking at UCD, Maynooth University, NUI Galway, UCC, Royal College of Surgeons, and any of the affiliate colleges as well. Uh, so they, as a minimum entry requirement for some of their courses, not all, would ask you to have a modern European language um, or a modern language. That doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, French, German, Spanish, Italian, the typical ones. If it's put on the Leave Insert, if it's on the Leave Insert, a language you can do, that is seen by the NUI universities as a modern language requirement. So even though Latin technically isn't modern, um, absolutely you can use it for uh, entry requirements into NUI universities. What are the different routes into PE teaching? Yeah, so if you're not doing PE teaching as an undergrad uh, with your education, there are a couple of ways of getting into it. A bit like the primary school teaching. If you do an undergraduate degree, you could apply for a PME in post-primary teaching. Now, the difference with this is your degree will have to be relevant to doing PE. So you'll have to meet certain modules in your undergraduate degree that are similar to the physical education degree. Now, there's courses in Letterkenny IT um, where you're looking at uh, similar modules to PE, uh, the Health and Leisure in MTU Kerry campus. Um, offer a course in health and leisure uh, the course coaching and sports pedagogy which is brand new in MTU core campus uh, would also have those modules that are quite similar to what you would do in PE and so those degrees would uh, get you into doing your PME post-primary in physical education and it's not just those courses so you could do a little bit of research and see I know Portobello Institute in Dublin are the same so have a little look and see kind of maybe what's closest to you or where you'd prefer to study, but you like, you're likely to find a course that will get you into um, the PME in physical education. I would like to study abroad. What do I need to do? Okay, so it depends where you, where you want to study abroad. If you are um, applying for the UK, that's obviously Northern Ireland, uh, England, Wales and Scotland. They have a different deadline and a different process to the CAO. So what I would advise you to do is go and familiarize yourself firstly with their deadlines 
and then familiarize yourself with the process and the application and see what you need to know. If you're looking to Europe, you'll have to know that there's no central application system there. You will apply directly to the universities uh, in Europe um, and they all have different deadline dates. So the best thing again would be to research, uh, see what deadline dates uh, you need to know about, see what the application process is like and even the entry requirements process because some of them might require you uh, to do maybe their own exam um, in, in certain subjects. Uh, and the same in America, they generally have a, a rolling application system. But the idea would be to familiarize yourself as best you can with that system to know deadlines and know what the application process is. If I pass higher level maths, but I don't count it in my sixth best, can I use the 25 bonus points anyway? Yeah, this is a popular question I would get a lot. Um, unfortunately, the answer is no, you can't do that. The 25 bonus points can only be added to your math score. So if you don't use maths as one of your top six, um, you can't take that 25 bonus points and decide maybe to add it to your English score or whatever. You can only use it for your maths. Um, but you, I suppose to note, like, if you get a H6 in your maths, uh, that's actually 71 points. So somewhere between a H4 and a H3. So it's pretty good points. Um, so you'd have to be getting H3s, H2s and everything else not to count it. Um, so generally, most students would count the 25 bonus points with their math score. But if that's not the case for you, unfortunately, you can't uh, add it into another subject. I'm looking at UCC for business and information systems and commerce. Is there a PLC that would allow me to enter UCC to study business information systems or commerce? Yeah, a lot of third level uh, colleges um, and a lot of courses have what's called a QQI route uh, or a FETAC route where people who do PLCs can apply to go in as a PP, PLC or QQI applicant. Now for this particular, uh, these particular courses, this person's asking about a general business studies PLC would get you into uh, one of these if you meet the minimum entry requirements, of course, uh, to get into it. Um, so what I would say to students, if they're wondering what PLC they might have to do to go into a certain college course, Google CAO FETAC, F-E-T-A-C, so CAO FETAC, and you can put in either the course code or the institution. And what it'll bring up is all the PLC courses that you can do um, that would get you into that particular course. So it's a really good resource. So CAO FETAC, it'll bring you onto the CAO website and it'll show you all the PLC courses that each college course accepts. I want to study medicine, but I don't have a second science subject. Is there a way I can study medicine? Yeah, so there's two ways you can study medicine, either um, having two science subjects, uh, which would get you into the five-year medical degree, or if you only have one science subject, you can apply for a six-year medical degree. So UCD, for example, have a six-year only medical degree. So that means even if you only have one science subject, that's absolutely fine. You can still apply for that. And generally your foundation year will be uh, a lot of science in it. Uh, if you have two science subjects, like Trinity College, for example, uh, require you to have two science subjects, and that is a five-year medical degree. Uh, and then some colleges, like Royal College of Surgeons, offer both the six-year 
and the five year, depending on many science subjects I have. So for that particular student, because you only have one science subject, it doesn't stop you from applying for medicine. Are there any accommodations at third level for students with learning difficulties? There absolutely is, yes. Uh, so students who maybe apply for uh, DARE, so the Disability Access Route into Education, uh, would automatically get uh, whatever accommodations they need. Now, if you didn't apply for DARE, or if you didn't have a successful DARE application, you could do an assessment in the college um, for any accommodations that you might need. And the college's third level are so accommodating in this respect that it shouldn't be an issue for anybody really if these were accommodations you generally got in secondary school the college i think will be happy enough to put them on a third level can you please explain the fees part of college right so um you would have to pay three thousand euro contribution fees everybody has to pay this contribution fee um, and you pay that every year so three thousand euros now the higher education authority the hea will pay your tuition fees. So students don't pay the tuition fees. This is where free education in inverted commas comes along, But even though you have to pay this contribution fee. Um, and it's worth noting for parents that if you have two children uh, attending university and paying the 3,000 euro contribution fee, you can actually get 20% tax relief on the second child. Okay. Now, again, what's worth noting is that the HEA will only pay your tuition fees per year once. So, for example, if you are in first year and you fail your exams and you have to repeat, the Higher Education Authority will not pay your fees for second year again. You will have to pay the tuition fees and um, the contribution fees. And that's the same with students who drop out of a course and start a new course uh, the HEA will not pay your first year again. And if that's the same for second, third and fourth year, uh, you will have to pay those. So it's really worth noting and, and worth doing your research into courses to make sure you're picking the right one because there can be a good financial penalty um, for students who are repeating a year. I would really like to study physiotherapy and I think I would be good at it, but I do not think I will get the points. Are there any back doors in? Yeah, so physiotherapy, the, the points uh, here in Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, went up significantly last year and even the year before, and they're generally quite high. Uh, so there are a few different alternatives. Uh, the first one you could look at would be in Letterkenny IT, where they offer health sciences with physiotherapy for two years, a level six diploma. And what you can do after those two years is progress on to Coventry University, where you do another two years and you're a fully qualified physiotherapist at the end of those four years. Another option would be to maybe study in Northern Ireland. So the, the Department of Health in Northern Ireland um, fund all physiotherapy courses. So that means there's no tuition fees. So physiotherapy is one on a list of courses like speech and language, occupational therapy, paramedic science, uh, radiography, radiation therapy, Podiatry. So they're just one of, of many courses on that list funded by the Department of Health in Northern Ireland. So if physiotherapy was something you were going to study there, again, just remember you wouldn't pay any tuition fees. And the entry requirements are that bit lower. So you're looking at five H3s uh, plus having probably biology as well as an entry requirement there. So uh, significantly lower than, than in the Republic of Ireland. And then a lot of students would apply to the Netherlands in uh, universities like Saxon and Fontys 
um, that have a good Irish contingent over there studying physiotherapy through English. Um, again, the entry requirements are significantly lower here uh, than Ireland. And so is are the the fees over there as well. So in Ireland, you pay €3,000 contribution fee. In the Netherlands, you're looking at paying about just over €2,000. Um, so lots of pros and cons to studying elsewhere um, if you can get into physiotherapy here in the Republic of Ireland. Is there much of a difference between private colleges and public colleges? I listened to your Griffith College podcast and I like the law degree. Uh, so there's no difference in the standard of degree that's, that's offered. So all degrees have a certain um, standard and quality they have to meet uh, by QQI. Um, so there's this, the standard and quality in private colleges would be just as good uh, as, as uh, state-funded universities. And then... I suppose with the finances in private colleges, you're looking at between five and six thousand euro per year tuition fees. So because they're tuition fees, each student and their family could claim 20% tax relief every year on the tuition fees. So 20% would be maybe taking a thousand euros off that. Uh, so kind of when everything's weighed up with, you know, no photocopying fees, no exam fees, things like that, and uh, that's covered in your private college fees. When everything's added up, it's actually, there's not too much difference between private college and public funded universities. So the quality of degree is just as good. Um, and often the work experience, work placement, things like that is just as good. Um, and the fees tend not to be hugely different um, than, say, standard publicly funded universities. What is the CAO alert list? Yeah, so the CEO alert list um, is a list that's done by the CEO and updated throughout the year of courses that colleges bring on stream throughout the year. So kind of early on in the year, the CEO handbook prints all their courses um, and then courses are generally updated on an alert list. So brand new courses that colleges still bring on stream throughout the year that won't be on the handbook will be on the CEO alert list. And I know a lot of students who would keep an eye on the CEO alert list, particularly colleges they're interested in going to, to see what courses they're bringing out. And generally, if colleges are bringing out uh, courses, they're very much in demand because they'll work with industry partners to see what's required. Uh, they'll work with, you know, Department of Education for teaching. They'll work with um, multinational companies and computer science things that see, you know, what are the graduates that you need? And so generally, if a new course comes on stream, people are looking for those graduates. Um, so uh, really good degrees to look at in the alert list. I am interested in studying in the US, but it's really expensive. Are there any ways around this? It's very expensive to study in the US. Um, there are ways around this. What I would often advise students to do is, you know, look at a course in Ireland that has a study abroad option in the US uh, where you can do a semester or even a year in the US. It'll work out a lot cheaper because even for that particular year, you're still paying the fees um, to an Irish college rather than an American college. Um, there's courses like Global Business USA where you could spend a couple of years in USA and still pay the Irish fees. And then there's dual BA in Trinity College where there's a number of courses you can study for two years in Trinity College and then two years in Columbia University in New York. However, it is worth noting that you would pay the Columbia University fees 
in New York, which go into the tens and thousands of euros plus your accommodation and all in New York City too. So it can be an expensive option. So I always say to students, look at a study abroad option in the in the USA. What will the point situation be for 2022? Yes, that's a very good question. I would say that because at the minute there's no calculated grades, that it's likely grade inflation will come down, which means the points probably won't be as high. However, even though the points were high in the last couple of years, students and applicants to the CEO still had to fill all those places that were on. So generally, if grade inflation happened, everybody's grades went up a little bit and it was they still had to fill those college places. Uh, so that's what you're looking at uh, for grade inflation next year. Hopefully, fingers crossed, that it won't be as bad as it has been the last couple of years. I was looking to study in UCD, but I don't have a third language. All right, so there's a lot of courses in UCD where a third language isn't required. Um, so the likes of science, computer science, sustainability, um, the likes of social sciences, psychology, you don't need a third language. So even though UCD traditionally would require applicants to maybe have a language for most of their courses uh, if you look at it now the majority of the courses don't require uh, a third language you will still need a third language for traditional courses like arts humanities commerce law medicine so they're courses where you would need a third language so again the research uh, into what the course requirements are is really important to students, but not every course at UCD, in fact, the majority don't require a third language. I am in sixth year, but I don't know what career I want. What advice would you have? Yeah, so this can be a very common question as well. What I would say is to look at what you're really passionate about studying and follow that path. Um, you know, it's really important and will make college life a lot easier if you're studying something that you're really, really passionate about. Try not to think about a career, but try and think about what my next step in education is going to be, because this degree is going to be a foundation for lifelong learning, where you'll probably end up doing CPD for work. You'll end up doing maybe postgrads and masters. And this is just the beginning of it. So if it's something you're very passionate about, study that and worry about the career after the degree. There's loads of graduate programs. There's loads of companies looking for employees who have a level eight degree, but don't specify what the degree needs to be. So there will be loads of opportunities, even if your degree is not relevant to your career. What I would look at is what you're passionate about and what you would like to study in the next step in your journey um, through education. Okay, and that's all the questions uh, that were sent into Instagram. Uh, I hope everybody got their questions answered and I think it was very beneficial for students and parents. Fiona, thank you very much for asking the questions there tonight. You're very welcome, Donica. Thanks for having me. And if you're not following or subscribed to the podcast, whatever platform you listen to, make sure that you're following us or you're subscribed to get notifications when we have our next episodes out. Thanks, everybody.